You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm currently on the leadership year at this church, and I'm going to bring you your reading for this evening. Uh, This evening's Bible reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Concerning spiritual gifts. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spirit, sorry, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Thank you, Sarah. Well, good evening. We are excited to start a new series called Spiritual Gifts this evening. And um, I cannot wait for the next seven weeks on an an evening. You know, in in this church, we're passionate about being not just hearers of God's word, but doers of God's word. And we believe in a God who is present and active and wants to equip his church to do the Jesus stuff. Amen? And so my expectation tonight and over the coming weeks is that we're not just going to talk about the spiritual gifts as though they are theory, right? But we are going to practice the spiritual gifts. We don't just talk the talk. We want to try and walk the walk. And so tonight is essentially an introduction to the spiritual gifts. I'm going to do a bird's eye view from 30,000 feet, as it were. And then over the next seven weeks, we will be unpacking each of the different spiritual gifts, exploring how to practice them and giving it a go. There's going to be some workshops, some demonstrations. It's going to be awesome. And um, I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to move in and through us. (sighs) Come on, church. Yes, come on. So I, I don't know what your experience has been in your life of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a Christian family. My dad is a pastor. He's a pastor of a A Baptist church, he uh, was ordained in London when I was one year old, one year old, and um, then he's been leading, he's been led three churches over the last 31 years. He's done 31 years in ministry, and um, growing up, I grew up in my my dad's church, 
Um, we didn't talk a whole lot really in the church or the youth group that I was part of, or really as a family about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if that's the same for some of you. There was no real understanding now on my part or theology for the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I tell you what we did do a lot was we read the Bible a lot. We had family Bible studies. We prayed a lot. My mom is a real intercessor. It was a house full of prayer. But the reality that the Holy Spirit was present and wanted to partner with us to manifest his kingdom on earth. That was something that we didn't talk a lot about, except for a couple of moments from my childhood, which I remember very, very clearly. Um, We weren't really part of a charismatic church, which is to say kind of expects uh, God to move uh, presently, Uh, although we kind of believed it in theory, but we didn't create space for it, I would say. But we're in this church service. It's an ordinary church service. I remember sitting at the back on the balcony, and this old lady who I always thought was very weird, I think her name was Jean. Um, If you're recording this, cut that bit out. And she was like an old, uh, kind of older lady, and she like shuffled to the front. It was an ordinary service, shuffled to the front one Sunday morning. My dad was always in the same spot on the front row. And um, it was kind of towards the end of the worship time, and she kind of shuffled up to him and began whispering something in his, in his ear, and he just would listen, and then he'd stop, and then he'd say something back, and then she'd said something to him again. And, and then he came up on the microphone, and he said um, something along the lines of, um, Jean's going to come forward, and she's, she's got a tongue and an interpretation. And I'm like what? I'd never experienced anything like it before. And what she did was she kind of moved forward so everyone could see her, but she faced away from the the congregation. And she began to speak in a language that I didn't understand. And I tell you, I was uh, bricking it. That means I was terrified. (laughs) Sorry. I cut that bit out as well. I didn't know what was going on. And she spoke for maybe 30 seconds. And then she said, and this is what the Lord is saying to us. This is what I think the Lord is saying. And then she began to interpret what she had shared. And the presence of God filled the place. I remember distinctly, I must have been in my mid-teens. And my overwhelming feeling in that moment as a young teenager was this, like God is present, like God is here. And I remember thinking that, and I remember speaking to my dad afterwards, and I remember saying to dad, dad, what's the whole tongues thing? I must have actually been 13 years old because I came to faith not long after that uh, 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 Christian festival, and that's when I first started speaking in tongues. But I remember saying to my dad, dad, what's the whole speaking in tongues thing? He said something along the lines of, Son, it's a language, a prayer language between you and God. And I was like, okay, uh, right, what else? And dad says something like, well, he, most of the time it's kind of private prayer language. Sometimes he speaks through it to the church. And whenever it's done in a public place, it needs to be interpreted, Paul says. So I said, dad, do you speak in tongues? Like I've grown up in this, this man's house to find out he speaks a weird language to God. I never knew that before. It blew my mind. And he said, yeah, I speak in tongues. I thought, we've never really talked about the Holy Spirit. What's the deal? And I said, well, go on then. (laughs) And he did. And I said to my mom, do you speak in tongues? And mom says, yes. And I said, go on then. She said, no. Ooh. And that's fine. Um, 
I remember the first time I saw someone get healed. I was at a Christian festival. I must have been the year after that, 14, and I am going on a journey of opening myself up to the presence of God, what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And I remember hearing stories of God healing people. And this is really a very unimpressive story, but I remember walking with a friend, just come out of a, uh, one of the big top experiences, the worship nights, and my friend says, I, I'm struggling. And I say, why? And she said, because I've got this absolutely agonizing headache. It's, I'm in so much pain. And I didn't have the guts in that moment to offer to pray for her. I had very little faith for it. But in my head, I just whispered in my head, dear Jesus, would you heal her? And she all of a sudden stops and she says, huh, that's weird. And I say, what? And she said, my headache's gone. And I thought, that is cool. That is awesome. Does God really want to do that in and through us? And my journey over the coming years, even up to this very point, is being having a heart which is open to say, God, whatever you want to do in me and through me, I am open. No matter how scared I am, no matter what I don't understand about how the kingdom of God works, I deeply long for you to move in my life. And I'd encourage you to have that posture. And I'd say, actually, that if you have that posture, that's one of the only things that you need in order for God to use you in this ways. So what are the spiritual gifts? A view from 30,000 feet. Well, Paul opens with this sentence. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed, doesn't he? I don't want you to be uninformed. And the reality is for many of us in the church, we are uninformed about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We don't really know what they are. We don't really know what they mean. We don't really know how to operate in them. There have been lots of strange teachings, lots of people doing weird stuff. We've asked for maybe the spiritual gifts at times in the past and haven't got them or feel like we've not got them. And all of a sudden, it feels like we're not good enough to receive. Some people, there are nine spiritual gifts in the passage we read tonight, but some people include passages from Romans and Ephesians and um, There's a website online which says you can do a spiritual gifts test. And they say, pick, you you get to see which of the spiritual gifts you've got out of 22, apparently. And so you could go on there. Someone might say, yeah, you've got the gifts of miraculous powers. And you'd be like, yes. Someone else is like, you've got the gift of administration. And it's like, why? (laughs) That's so frustrating. So many confusing teachings. It's confusing. It's misunderstood. And my prayer in that, in this series, we have become awake to all that God might want to do. So three common misunderstandings about the spiritual gifts which I have seen or experienced. First of all, a spiritual gift is a gift or an ability that you get given as a follower of Jesus when you become a Christian. Has anyone seen the film Encanto? Like Disney movie, when their kids come of age, like it's an amazing film, they get 12, they get a, a, a gift ceremony, and then each of them gets their own special gift. Some people think the spiritual gifts are like that. It's not like that at all. Secondly, everyone has one. If you're very lucky and very anointed, you might have two. Again, that is not true. And finally, I've seen this a lot, um, if you don't feel like you have a spiritual gift, you, God won't use you in that way. So someone might say, look, no, I'm not, I'm not going to pray for healing because I don't have the spiritual gift of healing. So I'll leave that to someone that does. And there's lots more misunderstandings and confusing things, and I'm sure you have your questions as well. So what is a spiritual gift? Well, firstly, even the word spiritual gift is slightly tricky. So when Paul writes the words gifts of the Spirit in the text we read today, or spiritual gifts, In the original text, it's actually just one word. 
The word is pneumatikos. Can you turn to your neighbor and say pneumatikos? Do some Greek for you this morning. That's how it's spelled, pneumatikos. Now, what's interesting about this word is that it is not a noun. And the word gift is not used with it at all. It's just one word. And the word itself means spiritual. So the most literal translation of the passage we read, Paul says, now concerning the spirituals. Or another way that it might be translated, most scholars think this, instead of spiritual gifts, it should really be spiritual stuff or or spiritual things or actually stuff that the Spirit of God does. In other words, what Paul is about to talk about in this passage are some of the things that the Spirit of God does through his church when we open up our lives and our hearts to him. When we walk by the Spirit, when we live in response to the Spirit, when we recognize the power and authority that has been given to us and follow what God is doing, these are the things that will happen in and through our lives. In fact, when Paul begins to list the gifts, how does he describe them? He calls them manifestations of the Spirit. These things are evidences, revelations, unveilings of the presence of God at work in your life and through your life. And so what Paul is doing in these verses, if you want a uh, uh, kind of an introduction, he is describing some of the things that the Spirit of God wants to release through his people on the earth as we extend his kingdom. And all of this means that what Paul is talking about here are manifestations of the Spirit that are open to everybody and anybody that follows Jesus. You don't just get one like the gifts from Encanto. You can have any. And we know, don't we, that the the Spirit of God does more spiritual stuff than what is in this list. So we know it's not an exhaustive list. There's no mention of casting out demons. There's no mention of prayer. There's no mention of resurrection and more. So in a nutshell, the spiritual gifts are things that the Spirit of Jesus does in partnership with us to release heaven on earth and to build up the church for the good of the church. We got that? So I believe, guys, that if we want to see heaven invade earth, if we want to see our church continue to grow and operate in great power, if we want to see God do miracles and people get healed and and see salvation and deliverance, if our heart is to see the more of God, if we want to get revelation and experience kingdom demonstration, we have to be a church that moves in the power of the Holy Spirit and operates in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You are not disqualified. It is for you. No matter how young or how old you are, we have some kids here tonight. God wants to use you guys. God wants to speak through everyone. They are given by the Spirit of God in partnership with us. So what I want to do for the rest of this evening, I want to just unpack the list of spiritual things and paint a picture of some of the things that God does, just kind of delving into each one of the nine gifts that are described by Paul. So if we can jump in at verse 7, this is what Paul writes. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. 
to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the gift, uh, another the interpretation of tongues. And all of these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. I just want you to imagine the Spirit of God hovering over us tonight as, as a body. And just as the Holy Spirit's moving, he just begins to recognize people that are open, that are willing, that are hungry for more. And he might just drop uh, a sense or, or an impression or a picture or, or, a, or an anointing for something in the room. This is never designed to be done by the one person at the front, but this is something that every single person is meant to participate in. All of these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, before we unpack each one briefly, did you notice how much Paul labors the point to say that these are manifestations of the Spirit given to us by the one Holy Spirit? There are not lots of different spirits. The Holy Spirit is not a force or a feeling. This is God. This is the Spirit of Jesus. It's not us conjuring up ideas. This is the Holy Spirit. And he wants to distribute the power to do the same things that Jesus did. Because these gifts, really, Paul is just looking at the life of Jesus, saying these are some of the stuff that Jesus did. They come from him. So let's just do a bird's eye view of the different gifts. I'm going to keep calling them gifts because it's much easier. Um, And then we're going to do some ministry. Sound good? So if you're making notes, number one, message of wisdom. What is a message of wisdom? Well, firstly, this is a message... A word from the Spirit through you to somebody else to help them navigate life. This goes beyond general wisdom, goes beyond common sense. This is divine, heavenly wisdom spoken into a situation, imparting the heart of God and declaring the will of God. This is speaking clarity into a confusing situation where there are shades of gray. How many of us know we all need wisdom, right? And I think God gives each one of us wisdom. We have um, common sense. The thing about common sense is that it's not very common. And we all get to navigate life and make wise choices, read the Bible. Sometimes there are moments when we're just stuck and it's like, where do we go, Lord? What do we do? I've been in so many situations like this before. And most of the time it'll happen with John Clark. And um, I'll be just like, Lord, I'm not really sure what to do. And I'll come into John's office and he'll go, not you again. And uh, not really. And uh, he'll just listen and just kind of wait and then just go, I think, I think, what about this? And it would just be like, that. how did we not see that? That is just the wisdom of the Lord. I've been loads of these moments. I remember once when I was um, considering marrying Hannah, she was, um, we were dating and she was, she was desperate to get married. She was uh, on my back all the time, not really, and uh, I was a little bit concerned that it was too soon, and I was sure, I called up my friend, a guy called JC, a different JC to to John Clark, uh, who was kind of my mentor as a teenager, and I remember, and this is, when I say this, it sounds creepy, but I was just after uni, and I called JC, and I was like, JC, I've met this girl, and he was like, tell me about her, and I blah, 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 described her, he was like, send me a photo, I'm like, that's weird, but okay. (laughs) 
And um, I, did, I did that, and I said, JC, what do I do? What do I, I'm not sure. He's like, do you love it? He asked me a few questions, and then his wisdom, which I took from the Lord, was this. Josh, if you don't marry her, I will. <laughs> and I thought, okay, right. So then I proposed swiftly. Paul says there are messages of wisdom, and you might get some of those for people. Oftentimes, it's just create an environment. You share something in home group. Those are powerful moments where we just, and again, it's not just about using our heads. It's about listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the key. Secondly, messages of knowledge. Uh, Another way this is described is a word of knowledge. Words of knowledge are supernatural revelation that God gives you about someone or something that you could never have previously known. These often come into our minds as thoughts. Sometimes you can see something visible. I've never experienced that, but I know people have. Sometimes you will feel something physically in your body, and it'll be for someone else. I've had that quite frequently. And the words of knowledge reveal something unknown to a person so as to communicate the heart of God and the will of God. I've got some crazy stories. I'm preaching on this in a few weeks' time, so I want to save all my good ones for then. Uh, But I'm excited about that. But uh, probably out of all the kind of gifts of the Holy Spirit, words of knowledge is one of the ones um, that I've experienced most in my life. I think it's one of the easiest ones to tap into. I just give you a really recent story. A home group last night, um, last week, sorry, a couple of students said, I want to uh, I want to come, I want to join a home group. I said, I'll come to my home group. They said, can we bring friends? I said, yeah, sure. So 13 students show up to my house on top of my regular home group. So I think, right, we can't watch the video as planned. So I say, right, well, let's, I follow. I said, Holy Spirit, what, you, what should we do? And he gives me a passage, Luke 9, talking about Jesus um, sending out the disciples, giving them power and authority to preach and declare the kingdom, cast out demons, heal the sick. And so we did a bit of a Bible study in the kingdom, then we practiced it. Uh, I was just training the the group again in how to hear the voice of God. And it was pretty stunning because um, we left some space. Uh, I kind of gave some directions about how to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. Often it just comes in thoughts. Most of the time you think it's simply your thoughts. Sometimes it feels like just a butterfly lands on your mind and it's like, oh, what's that? Uh, The only way that you'll ever know that it's the Holy Spirit is if you say it out loud, test it out. And so we had a whole bunch of like first year students uh, on Wednesday night that were, I don't know if they've ever done this before, but they just were giving words of knowledge. One of the, one of the girls said there's um, someone here with uh, like damaged ribs, really painful ribs. Someone else said there's someone here, I think, with a headache. And so I say, right, well, who, where, where are you in the room? And they were completely accurate. People put their hands up and explained. It really rose the faith level in the room. Um, I, uh, wanted, I, I felt like God gave me slightly more risk, uh, a risky one. Um, I got someone's name, and I got their sister um, was called Sophie. And I'm like, okay, this is a little bit more specific. And if this goes wrong, I look silly. But I would actually say that this is one of the keys to moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit is dying to the need to always get things right and dying to look, being, looking good all the time. And if you're okay with failure, you will grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit very quickly. And I had a message um, which I, I felt like God had attached to that, that word of knowledge. So I said, I know this is weird, but is there someone here that's sister's called Sophie? 
And uh, I don't know what the odds are on that. There's 20 people in the room, and it could have just been my thought, but there was silence for about 10 seconds, those of you that were in the room, and it felt awkward. And I was about to move on, and then someone said, oh, that's me. I said, it was my, my, my half-sister. I called her my sister. And I thought, oh, I'll take that. And then I had a prophetic word for her, which she messaged me after the fact, saying that was, that was spot on and um, just remarkable. And again, it's just like... God just revealing something that you don't know in order to impart his heart. So, so exciting. In a few weeks, I'll go into a bit more detail, but that's um, words of knowledge. Thirdly, let's do the gift of faith. Gift of faith is when God stirs your heart to believe something beyond the possible. The gift of faith stares down Goliath in the face and says, no, my God is with me and I'm not afraid. The gift of faith reaches down to the hopeless and the discouraged and the downtrodden and speaks a word of hope and encouragement. People with faith are solutionaries, not problemers. They are overtaken with an overwhelming heavenly perspective. Faith is a key ingredient in releasing the power of God into a moment. Faith is when you sense something and you just step out. And I believe that when we step out, God steps in. Healing. Healing is when we partner with God to restore someone's body to its original design, to bring healing, to in the power of the Holy Spirit take authority over sickness and disease and bring wholeness. Healing was a major mark of the ministry of Jesus. Why? Because healing and wholeness is a key characteristic of the kingdom of God. Let me ask you this. In heaven, is there any sickness? No, there's no sickness. There's no pain. There's no death. And when Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God, he says he came to begin the kingdom. As Rach unpacked last week, he came to kickstart life in the kingdom. So he demonstrated that. He preached the gospel that you can encounter the kingdom, and he demonstrated the reality of the kingdom being present by healing people. And then he equips his disciples to do the same. He's given us power and authority to step into healing, and we now carry upon us um, that power and authority so we can bring healing into situations. And uh, I don't believe that you necessarily have to have a word from God in order to pray for someone. I think we carry something that we can give away. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are walking by the beautiful gate. There's a man there um, who's lame from birth. And the man cries out and says, do you have any money? And, and Peter says, I don't, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. I'm not sure that the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, I want you to stop there. He was interrupted in his life and he began to exercise the power and authority that he had. Called to heal the sick. Number five, miraculous powers. Who wants to operate in miraculous powers? That sounds awesome. Jesus did this a lot, multiplied food, walking on water, water to wine, calming the storm. These are significant signs and demonstrations of the kingdom breaking in, and unfortunately not that common. I remember once being on the way to Cornwall, and I was reading John Wimbers, who founded the vineyard, Power Evangelism, and he had a whole chapter on our authority over the weather. And I was going to the beach, and it was rainy, and I thought, you know what, I need to practice this. So I declared in Jesus' name that the weather would part, and it did. And uh, I'm claiming that one, but it might just have been the weather report. At that point, we didn't have uh, mobile phones which you could connect to the internet to, so I wasn't able to check BBC weather. Um, but I remember hearing, you know, this stuff still happens today. 
I remember reading a book as a teenager called Like a, like a Mighty Wind or Like a Rushing Wind about a revival, uh, I think, in Asia. And the stories are remarkable as they, um, God moves and they're seeing unreached people group coming to faith. Stories of them, uh, there's a, a burst riverbank and the river's rushing and they need to get across it to preach the gospel and they walk across the river. Uh, stories of crocodiles coming up to them to attack them and they speak in the name of Jesus, and the crocodile runs away. Crazy stuff. Jesus said, though, in the end to his disciples, you'll be able to drink poison and not get hurt. You'll be able to um, uh, pick up snakes, yeah, and not get bitten. Some people get weird about that and do it. Uh, I would really strongly recommend you stay away from all snakes. Um, But I want to see more of that stuff. Uh, Sorry, I'm coming into land now. Prophecy. Uh, Rachel is going to do this in a few weeks' time. Foretelling and foretelling. Essentially, this is hearing God's voice for other people. Speaking life into a situation, revealing the heart of God. We never say, this is what God's saying to you. We say, maybe I get a sense that this is what God might have to say. And we do a, a session on the leadership here uh, in one of the first sessions, and we list all the ways that God speaks to us. It's about 30 different ways. Could be a load of ways that God gives prophetic words. Could be scripture, picture, thoughts. You might see a short film. You might get a vision or a dream or imagination or words in our mind. The prophetic is basically from the Holy Spirit, sometimes for us, but mostly for other people. Number seven, distinguishing the spirits. This is a supernatural awareness of the spirit behind what's going on in a situation, an event, something that is being said. This is the ability to recognize what Jesus is doing and also what the enemy is doing. Number eight, speaking in tongues. Um, The Greek word is glossa, which comes from the word glossary. It basically means languages. It's a couple of different types of tongues. We'll unpack this. Tongues of men, tongues of angels. Uh, Most of the time, speaking in tongues is like a private prayer language that you can have between God. I remember asking God for the gift of tongues when I was... um, I just got saved when I was 14, and I like, couldn't believe when it came out. It was the weirdest thing ever. But it's actually really normal and really beautiful, and many people in our church um, speak in tongues. And if you would like to receive that, we, we would love to pray for you. Uh, and then there's the interpretation of tongues, number nine. And this is the idea that sometimes there's a public tongue. Um, if someone shares it in an environment that is uh, kind of like this, it can quickly verge into chaotic. This was the thing that Paul was writing to the Corinthian church about. It was wacky. It was weird. There was no kind of um, Holy Spirit control. It was just people maybe operating out of the flesh. There was great power in the gathering. But when people speak in tongues, no one can understand them. So in order to bring order to that situation, they say whenever a, public, a tongue is delivered publicly, we wait for the interpretation. I've been in a number of meetings where that's happened, and it's really beautiful and really powerful. Um, I remember once I was at a worship conference when uh, someone had a tongue, and then one person gave an interpretation, and the leader who was leading the meeting said, I don't think that's the interpretation. Let's wait some more. And that was almost kind of operating in the distinguishing of is what's the Holy Spirit, what's not the Holy Spirit. And it was a powerful moment. So those are the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit and um, all the, some of the spiritual things that Jesus does. And God wants to use you. So how do we step into it? Three things. Firstly, desire them. Paul says, I want you to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Get ready for them. Open your heart up to whatever God might want to do. Secondly, watch what you're waiting for. God doesn't speak through a huge finger written on the wall most of the time, not an audible voice most of the time. Most of the time it's subtle and quiet, like a whisper. Why? Because when God's intimate, 
And you whisper when you're close to someone. God wants to teach us to hear the quiet voice. Um, and most of the time, people think God's speaking to them. People think God's not speaking to them when he actually is, and then we blame God for not saying anything. So watch what you're waiting for. Be sensitive to his voice. Cultivate intimacy. And thirdly, most importantly, step out in faith. This is the only way you can test if God is in it. You'll never know if you have a prophetic word until you act on it and give it to someone, and they say yeah or no. And then if they say no, that's great because it means, okay, when that happened, I recognize that that wasn't the Lord. So I learned from that going forward, and you get to grow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit as well. They're like tools in a tool belt. God gives you what you need when you need it as you step out. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.